Welcome to Podland. Podland is sponsored by Buzzsprout, podcast hosting and a whole lot more there at buzzsprout.com. It's Thursday, December the 10th, 2020. I'm James Cridland, the editor of Pod News here in Australia. And I'm Sam Sethi, the editor of Sam Talks Technology here in the UK. I am Sam Lian from Author.ai, automatic meeting assistant for all your meetings. And I'll be on later to talk about other live notes for virtual meetings. He will. Podland is a weekly podcast where Sam and I delve deeper into the week's most important news, which I cover daily at podnews.net. So here's what's coming up on this week's podcast. James seems lost, or at least he's trying to find his location. IAB version 2.1 guidelines and money from Audible. Now that sounds good. And a lot more. Now, James, you seem lost this week. You've been talking about location a lot. Tell us more. What's this location stuff you've been working on? Yes. Podcast Index is doing a bunch of really good work. So that's Dave Jones and Adam Curry. They're working on an open podcast index, but they're also working what they call Podcasting 2.0. It's lots of new tags to really help podcasting increase and improve. And one of those tags that's been talked about for a long time is the idea of location to say where a podcast is about. If you're doing a podcast about the Eiffel Tower, wouldn't it be really good if there was a programmatic way to search for that? So I was writing the spec for the podcast location tag earlier on in the week, which has been quite interesting. It's been a little bit stuck over the last six weeks because I think it's just been really confusing. And there's lots of things that you can do with a location tag in podcasting, but I think we're pretty well there now, which is really good news. When I looked at what you were writing, you were struggling with what spec to use. What did you end up with? So we've ended up with a couple of different things. It turns out that location is really complicated. The first thing is that there's two types of location. One type of location is a point on the planet Earth, which you would normally talk about with a latitude and a longitude. There's a thing called a GOURI, which is an RFC, which allows you to also say how high it is off the ground and various other things. But that's a really good way of just pointing to a place on planet Earth and saying this podcast is about that. And that's great. That means that you can appear on a map, but it doesn't necessarily convey anything about that particular place. So then there's another part of that, which is more details about the actual place that you are linking to. And in this particular case, there's a bunch of different people. Google has a Google Maps Places ID. There's a geonames.org has a quite a nice API as well. But there's also OpenStreetMaps, which has a bunch of data. And some of that data is an ID for a country. So the United States of America has a particular way that you would talk about that. And that is unambiguously the United States of America. But you can then go down to the state of Washington. You can then go down to the city of Seattle. You can um, look at the Space Needle if you want. You can even look at a walkway next to the Space Needle. That's how detailed it can actually get. And it's got all of the data around that as well. So you could end up at a position in the future when lots of people are using the podcast location tag of being able to say, I would like to listen to all podcasts about train stations in Germany. And it would be able to find that information out of that really rich what you can do with it. But it's also been really interesting 
just working out the use cases, working out what you can actually link to and uh, what people actually want out of a location tag. And there's the other side, of course, which is quite a lot of people want to talk about where a podcast is from. Is that a podcast location tag? Certainly, we started off by wanting to include that in the location tag as well. But I think we realized relatively early on that location of where a podcast is from isn't actually a location of a podcast. It's a location of the people in the podcast. This might have a location of the South of England and of Queensland, and that's that fine. But actually, people. yes, that would confuse people an awful lot. But actually, that's fine. But that's not really talking about the podcast. It's just talking about where you're sitting right now and where I'm sitting right now. Really, the location goes with the people. And there is a separate tag called podcast people, which is also being worked on, which actually links already to all of that location information as well. That's where that is going, which makes the podcast location tag much easier because it's just a location tag talking about what the podcast is about. And that's a great step forward. I wonder if we can sneak an Easter egg in where we put location podland and we just decide where on planet Earth podland is. That's even in the spec as well. So if you are doing a podcast, that is about Hogwarts, for example, then yes, you can say it's about Hogwarts. What you can't do is you can't add a GeoURI. Uh, you can't make up a Latlon because then it's wrong. And you can't link to an OpenStreetMap ID because obviously there isn't one. But you can still actually say, yes, it's about Hogwarts. And that, again, all joking aside, that's really helpful for fiction podcasts. There are lots of those about. It's been a really interesting thing being on the, the Podcast Index GitHub talking about that particular spec, trying to get everything as clear as possible. And it's been quite fun and rewarding to work on. Let's see if anybody actually uses it, though, <laughs> which will be the next well, step. The interesting thing is phase one of the namespace change closed on the 15th of November. And that included podcast locking, transcriptions, funding, chapters, and sound bites. And I'm glad to say our sponsor, Buzzsprout, has implemented all of phase one along with Fireside. And now, if you want to find out which companies or hosts implemented phase one already, you can go to podcastindex.org forward slash apps, and it'll give you a complete listing of everyone who's actually supported phase one. And phase two will be closing on the 31st of January. And location is part of that so if you feel like you want to participate in any of this where can they go again james podcastindex.org the uh, closing date for submissions for the next round of tags is uh, the end of january things being looked at are things like the people tag that i was talking about the location tag uh, a way of being able to name seasons which is important particularly if you're a fiction podcast things around social media links i'm hoping also to get the id tag uh, through and the id tag is very dull and very tedious but it's just a way of being able to say this podcast is available here on apple podcasts here on spotify here on amazon music uh, and so on and so forth. So that would be a really useful one. And uh, hopefully we can get that pushed into phase two as well. Brilliant. And just to preempt next week's show, we will be having Adam and Dave from Podcast Index as our guests. We will. And they were listening to last week, which was very exciting. Or at least Dave was. So it should be fun to have him on. He's probably sitting there with his head in his hands going, what are they talking about? That's not exactly what's going on at all. <laughs> um, but anyway, we will. Well, he can correct us next week. 
<laughs> he can as well. And one of the things that Adam and Dave feel very strongly around is monetization. Value for value, as they call it, of a way of earning revenue from your podcast. And there's a bunch of specs there, which I don't fully understand. So it'd be good to talk to them about that too. Now, Meranam Hair Sam, Hair Bodland. Do you get that, James? Nice. I was impressed at your Punjabi. My parents wouldn't be. Let me put it that way. The pronunciation was way off. But that said, you had a story this week about a company called PodLP. Tell me more. So PodLP is a podcast app which isn't a iOS podcast app, doesn't run on iPhone, nor does it run on Android phones. It runs on a different type of phone called KaiOS. And KaiOS is particularly of use in developing countries, places, yes, like India, but in other places as well. And what PodLP has done is they've partnered with another company called Rephonic, and they are linking to top podcasts in those people's local languages in the app. So if you speak, yes, English and Spanish and French, of course, but also if you speak Bahasa or you speak Afrikaans or you speak Turkish or Vietnamese, you'll find the most popular podcasts in those particular languages as well in there, which is a really important thing, I think. If it's the first time you've ever seen a podcast app, the last thing that you arguably want is to see Joe Rogan, not that he's available as a podcast anymore, or to see the New York Times daily, if the only language you speak is Swahili. So this is a great step forward. Two great shows uh, on Netflix that I've watched recently. One is The Bridge, which was in Swedish with subtitles, and Corpus Christi, which was a Polish film, which is amazing, by the way, if you haven't seen it, highly recommend it. Now, I wouldn't be able to watch either of those because of the language barrier, but because of translation and captioning, I could. Again, when I look at the fact that the world's biggest country in terms of podcasting, in terms of adoption and, and usage is Korea, I wonder how many great podcasts that come out of there that we just bypass because literally it's not designed for us, but actually the content within it would be very useful. It, it, it is interesting seeing what's going on in different countries. Korea, the, the podcast charts appear to be full of reheated radio shows, which is great and fine. And that's certainly a valid use of podcasting. But when you look at some of the stuff that Wondery has been doing, for example, I think they've translated Dr. Death now into eight different languages. And that is a fascinating opportunity to take IP that Wondery own, to take some great sound production and everything else, and to remake that into a different language. That makes a bunch of sense. There's also a number of other people who are either translating podcasts or taking the same messages from a podcast and putting that into a different language. I think we have to be careful with culture, he says, as a British person. We were the worst people for that in history. But anyway, that's an important thing when it comes to translating shows into a different language. So it's, you know, really interesting to see what's going on there. I, I won't labour the point, but one of the things that I guess the internet has been, for me personally, bad at is actually leveling out culture because if you look at music um, you can go anywhere around the world now and you look at the charts and it's actually very similar whether it's english speaking or not and i i wonder whether we will lose some of the value of localized podcasting if we 
amorphize them through language. I think we need to be careful in terms of culture. Weirdly, the the music industry, as I understand it, is actually getting more localized now. And part of the reason for that is the availability of streaming services like GeoSavan and Ghana in India or their equivalents in many other countries. So maybe actually it's breathing a little bit more life into individual music from individual countries. A couple of months ago, I was talking with a radio station that was based in Lagos in Nigeria. And I spent some time listening to it and I didn't recognize any of the music. And that's not just because I'm old uh, and out of touch, although that's probably got some, something to do with that. It's also because it was all local stuff. The SABC in South Africa, they have rules around only playing South African music on their stations. I think there's some interesting things going on there. Podcasting, if you look at English language podcasting here in Australia, the most listened to show is a true crime show that has a lot of American input into it. There's uh, stuff you should know that's also up there as well. So I think there's uh, a fair amount of American content both here and in the UK, but I think that's just the language. And I think as soon as you skip out of that and you look into what the number one podcasts are in France and in Germany and in Spain, they're very different. When we looked at the Apple charts and Spotify charts from last week, podcasting is still very localised. It was just the way I, I saw the Spotify music list. The same old names are all over the place. Dre, Cariana, Grande. The interesting one, of course, you listen to them regularly, is the number one band in the world, according to Spotify, was Bad Bunny from Puerto Rico. Obviously, <laughs> uh, top of your list there. So I good to say. see Puerto Rico up there. I wonder if they're on YouTube Music. <laughs> But hopefully the location tag will be useful if it's adopted, certainly in localising podcasts into local languages. Certainly, if you want to find out more about places, then I think the podcast location tag is going to be really helpful. Now, James, have you got an idea for a podcast? I know that you're so busy doing other podcasts, but have you got an idea for a podcast? Maybe. Would you like $10,000? I would love $10,000. This is the Audible Podcast Development Programme. You could uh, win $10,000 to develop your ideas. One of the things I don't fully understand around Amazon, who of course owns Audible, is that they've got podcasts into Amazon Music now in a number of countries, which is great, and you should be there. But also they have a lot of their own original content in Audible as well, and some of those are podcasts. So I'm a bit confused by that. But in any case, they want more great original content. So they've put up 10 grand to develop your idea further. It's open to every country in the world. I went to have a look at the terms and conditions. That's a lot of money. And you've until... January the 18th. If you've got an idea, you should go to the Audible Podcast Development Program website and get it into them. Excellent. I will be over Christmas coming up with another idea. Sadly, I don't <laughs> yeah. think I'll be getting the $10,000. Now, good news or bad news? I don't know. Do you listen to Howard Stern? I've never listened to Howard Stern. I'm told he's very good sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I was, I've never listened to Howard Stern. I haven't because he went over to Sirius. But I guess with all of the podcasts that are being acquired by Spotify, I did wonder whether Howard Stern would jump ship. But it looks like uh, he's staying put with Sirius for another five years. I think the story was that uh, he was at least being talked to by uh, Spotify. And Spotify were very keen to get Howard Stern involved. Howard Stern 
who's a very famous American shock jock. He owns quite a lot of shares in Sirius XM and probably wanted to keep those being as full of value as he possibly could. But he, he signed for a further five years with the uh, company, which is a satellite radio company in the US. Sirius XM also, they retain rights to his archives for a further seven years so they can do other things with that. What I found in nowhere in any of the press releases, which is weird because Sirius XM also owns things like uh, Midroll, Stitcher, Simplecast as well, great companies that are good at podcasting. So I don't quite understand what the deal is there in terms of why they wouldn't want to make Howard Stern into a podcast asset for them as well. Perhaps they do, and perhaps they're just not saying anything about that yet. It makes sense, given all the other acquisitions they've made recently. Now, moving on, one of the other stories that caught my eye in podnews.net this week was The Daily. Kevin LaBuzz is saying that it makes $42 million a year. Now, that seems a lot of money to me. How do they make that money, James? And how do we make that money, more importantly? (laughs) Yes, let's not go that far. $42 $42 million a year sounds like an awful lot of money, and it probably is. Kevin Labaz must be his real name. He looked at uh, a bunch of public information about what the New York Times was saying and went for the number in the middle. So there's a number which I believe is somewhere around 12 million. There's a number which is significantly more. $42 million a year is similar to the annual revenue of Wondery which I can believe. So maybe the New York Times Daily is big, but it does have a bunch of other shows there as well. So maybe it's making that amount of money. I don't know. It is predominantly around advertising, of course, although the podcast does clearly get more subscribers to the newspaper as well. So we should probably not forget about that bit. The New York Times has also said that they're not having a very good quarter four of it. Their online advertising is likely to be down 5%, and that includes the podcasting stuff as well. Overall ad revenue, though, is down by 20% in quarter four, which I find strange because quarter four includes November, which there was a big election in uh, the US in November. Why would people not be advertising around that? Maybe the New York Times doesn't get very much political advertising. The fact that you've just talked about the New York Times issuing a warning on digital advertising goes contrary to the other story that you published, which was podcasting is becoming a more effective place to advertise, which was a report from iHeartRadio. It, it was a report inside a website called Inside Radio, which is owned by iHeartRadio. And I only keep on mentioning the fact that it's owned by iHeartRadio because they don't. You won't find that fact anywhere. If you run a radio news website and you're actually the main radio uh, broadcaster in the US, you should probably make that fact a little bit more obvious. But anyway, yes, they covered a survey of local advertisers by a company uh, that begins with a B. And they said, they quoted some of this saying that it is now felt by local advertisers that podcasting is more effective than it's been in the past. And it's already beaten things like newspapers, radio and TV advertising as well. So that's essentially up to what a local advertiser thinks. But it's still useful information in terms of actually seeing that local advertisers more interested in spending their money in terms of advertising. Again, the podcast location tag might help them there. Seeing that kind of information is always useful. It's always good to see a bunch of different surveys 
which you actually understand what advertisers think. Because if advertisers like what you're doing, then that typically means that more money um, will come into this space at some point. Another related story that I was reading in Pod News this week was you talked about the fact that 56% of heavy podcast listeners think that the number of ads in podcasts is increasing and 38% believe it's too many. So again, we've got this real struggle going on between mm. people wanting to make money, the daily, Wondery, ourselves, everyone else who are creating the content and listeners who really don't want more and more ads being thrown at them. So what's the balance? Where's the perfect sweet spot? It is interesting. Obviously, people, the more ads that you sling into a podcast, the more money you can make. But there is a balancing uh, act there in between the amount of ads that you can put into a podcast before people get really annoyed. And I think, again, it's a cultural thing. I grew up in the UK. I grew up with the BBC mostly. The BBC carries no advertising whatsoever. And if you have grown up with media that carries no advertising at all, then one 30-second ad is, oh my goodness, what's this? So there's a big difference there, I think, in comparison to the US, where the amount of advertising that you have in TV shows, in radio broadcasting, is really high. I remember going out in about 2005, I did a really interesting trip to the US. I was visiting lots of different companies, including Sirius, the satellite radio company at the time, uh, a bunch of other radio broadcasters, as well as people like the RIAA and others. And we had the RAB, who's the Radio Advertising Bureau there. And the RAB were um, very excited about the fact that they had a radio station somewhere in the South, which was broadcasting 48 minutes of ads an hour. And they said that this was a brilliant thing. And I, really? <laughs> I can't imagine 48 minutes of ads an hour. What would you put in the other 12 minutes? <laughs> exactly. But I think there's, again, big cultural differences. And you'll know, I remember when, when we started getting satellite TV in the UK, and you had some American companies coming over, and they used to put the ads after the intros of the shows, which is how it works in the US. It's not how it works in the UK. And so you're sitting there, you watch the little theme tune, and then it breaks for an advert. And everybody was going, what's going on here? So there's this whole sort of culture thing, which I think is really interesting. I think it'll be good to see in 2021, whether we will get a balance between how we podcasters make money. I think that is the biggest challenge. And I think in next week's show, and I don't mean to forward sell, but I am, the fact that Adam and Dave will be talking about how they're putting in a monetization capability into the namespace. Because unless monetization does happen with podcasting and it becomes democratized down the long tail, then I think a lot of the small players in podcasting will disappear and we'll end up with walled gardens, sadly, which is not what we want with Amazon and Spotify just sucking up all the big podcasts. I think that's important. And I think it, it it's important to make sure that it's not just advertising as well. It's all kinds of other things. The thing that's uh, annoyed me most this week in terms of the news coverage of podcasting is people saying that very soon podcasting will be a $1 billion industry, when actually, if you were only to look outside of the US, it's already a $1.4 billion industry, and that's advertising only. So Patreon, uh, selling gigs, selling merch, people supporting you in other ways is considerably more than that as well. 
So this is not just a billion dollar industry, it's significantly larger. And that's a good thing. And the other thing on that is actually making sure that we're measuring the right thing, making sure that we're measuring, yes, downloads, but also other things as well. So the IAB brought out a new podcast guidelines this week, version 2.1 of their podcast measurement guidelines, which has very, very little similar to the current version 2.0 that we've got, but it has tightened up a few things. I've already got my reaction to that into the IAB because I think there are a few things that they could say that would make life a little bit easier. But it's fascinating seeing the IAB working on measurement and uh, making sure that all of that is further tightened up as well. Great. Make sure you go on podnews.net, find the link and input your opinion. Otherwise, it will be posted and hosted on you. Now, over to you, James. Yes. One of the things we wanted to do in Podland is to spend a little time talking to those making the news in podcasting. Uh, a, a little time, obviously, not a, a three-hour-long uh, interview, because both Sam and I have a full head of hair. Now, this week, Sam talked with Sam Liang from Otter AI. Otter AI is a live transcription service in the US. Sam, hello. How are you? Hi, Sam. Very good. How are you? Good to see you again, my friend. Now, Otter AI, it's a brilliant product, but for those who don't know it, please, can you just give us a brief background to what Otter AI is and what it does? Of course. Otter is a automatic and meeting note service, speech recognition system with artificial intelligence. It doesn't require any human manual transcription. I've been using Otter AI with the tight Zoom integration that you have. What sort of examples or use cases would you say people are using Otter AI for? The biggest use case these days are using Otter for virtual meetings. With COVID-19, obviously, most people are working from home, and also a lot of companies have distributed workforce. They work in different time zones, so they use Zoom or other virtual meeting systems to have meetings, either internal meetings or external meetings. With tremendous number of meetings, it's really hard to track information, hard to remember things. A lot of people are using Otter to take meeting notes and it's also a collaborative meeting notes because the meeting notes is automatically generated during the meeting available to all the meeting attendees everybody can see the meeting notes live even if they're completely distributed not only they can see the notes live they can scroll back they can search for any keywords people can insert pictures screenshots or slide into the other note as well also when you hear important information or important numbers you don't want to forget you can easily highlight the information which help you find information later really fast. In addition, a lot of universities are using Otter for online education because a lot of classes online over Zoom or Microsoft Teams or Google Meet. People in universities are using Otter to take automatic lecture notes as well. It also makes asynchronous learning better for students who are located in different time zones. They miss the live class, but when they look at the class recorded previously, they don't have to goes through the class sequentially. Some students want to do it faster so they can actually search for keywords, read the transcript, and decide which part of the video they want to watch. So it's possible to actually finish a class 
faster than the actual class time. Exactly. My daughter at Nottingham University already uses Otto exactly for that. So, oh, that's uh, great. We have hundreds of universities using Otter now. It's growing even faster every month. Now, since we last spoke about a year ago, how has the transcription, has that become much more accurate over time or will we see it become even more accurate? I'm looking at it now, obviously, with my live notes coming down here and it's very accurate. But can you get it better or are we at peak performance? Absolutely. Since we talked last year, the accuracy has been actually improved significantly. It handles noise better, even if uh, your Zoom call has pretty strong background noise. Otter is able to transcribe it pretty accurately. Another important enhancement, we're handling more accents even better. This is partially due to our very sophisticated training system. In addition, the users, because the number of users is growing so fast from users all over the world, they actually have different uh, accents. People from UK has different accents than people in the US. Even within the US, different people in Texas, California, New York have different accents. Order is able to use the information to automatically improve its own accuracy. Another important enhancement is that we have even better custom vocabulary function. Custom vocabulary means that our users can actually insert new words into author's dictionary for their own meetings. So this is very useful for a lot of companies that have many special terminologies, special acronyms, and also non-common names. There are a lot of names or standard English names that are available in the English dictionary. Our users actually can uh, inject those names and words into author upfront so that those words can be accurately recognized. Now, two new Features obviously live notes, which I'm using here with Otter, and it's instantly transcribing those notes in front of me. And as you described earlier, one of the other features is live captions. So can you tell us more about that function that you've added? A live caption is part of the live notes. The only difference is that the live caption is displayed in the Zoom video screen at the bottom. And the line, and there are one line or two lines of live caption. But we found that people actually like to open a bigger window so that they can see the full live notes on the larger screen or in a larger window so that they can see not only just two lines of text, they can easily scroll back and see more information. And again, the searchability is really useful. The fact that you can see more in uh, previous text allows people to actually comprehend the meeting even better. For certain meetings that are complicated, where, for example, a lot of different numbers are discussed, it's really hard for people to remember more than three numbers at a time. So when you see all the numbers transcribed, and displayed in front of you, 
it actually helps people understand the information better and improve their productivity there. Now, one of the features that I would love to have, given your heritage is from China and my heritage is from India, is live translation. Is this something that Otter are considering or may do in the future? Absolutely. We actually are partnering with Entity Docomo in Japan. Entity Docomo is the largest telecom company in Japan. They see that Otter have a great market in Japan. They really want to use Otter in Japan for their corporate meetings. A lot of their meetings are international English, but they really want to have the Japanese translation. So we actually worked with Docomo. We created a prototype. Actually, we demonstrated early this year in Tokyo. And it was before COVID happened. I went to Tokyo and in Docomo's open house conference, we actually demonstrated that it's possible to run author live notes and to show the Japanese translation in real time. So wow. this is definitely our roadmap that we cannot give an exact timeline when we can release it yet. But that's going to be very powerful when people <clears throat> can start to have multilingual conversations and see that happening in real time. Yeah, that really is the Babel fish, isn't it? Come to life. Absolutely. The word even smaller. Now, you talk about search within live notes, which is great. Is there any way that I can aggregate all of my corporate notes or my personal notes into one repository and search across all of my live notes? So say I've got five or six lectures or five or six meetings and I just want to find anything that I referenced a certain keyword. Is there a way that Otter provides me an aggregated live notes repository? Absolutely. Uh, that function is actually already available in Otter. If you look at your own Otter account, there should be a search bar on the top um, in your Otter app. Uh, when you search for keywords, it's actually search across all your previous author notes. Otter also uh, provide a way for you to organize your notes uh, in a better way, especially when you are working together with many other people in your team. For example, in our team, we have a product team. We have engineering team, marketing team, and sales team. Each team have their own recurring weekly meetings and sometimes hot on-demand meetings. So all the meetings in each team are automatically shared with the author group corresponding to their team membership so that everybody in their team, whether they attend the meeting live or not, they all get access to the author notes. So that's why we say author actually help people improve their collaboration and communication because the information is uh, easily shared. Then within each group or across the entire repository, people can search for any uh, information. As long as they have the permission, there's um, a way to specify the permission access for each uh, author user in the team. So the team product is actually even more powerful 
so that people can use that in a similar way as Slack. Although Slack focuses on text-based messaging, but Otter focuses on all the voice content. But the concept is actually quite similar between Otter and Slack. Last question then, Sam. What's on the roadmap beyond this? You seem to have got everything covered. You've got improved transcription. You've got captions. You've got live notes. You've got enterprise searchability. What's next? Or, you know, what's on your horizon, do you think, coming in 2021? Lots of things on our roadmap. Uh, we're uh, going to do even more smooth integration with additional features working with Zoom and also more integration with other virtual meeting systems like Google Meet, Microsoft Teams, WebEx, so that the experience can be even more automated and even more pain-free. Secondly, even better collaboration system for team members, allow pe- uh, people to add annotations even better. Today, you can already add annotation into order, but uh, we're planning to make that even better. The other things include analytics of the meeting content so that uh, people can find the numbers, find other important information even easier. Certain concepts, certain keywords, or important sentences late in the future can be automatically highlighted or identified so that you know it improves people's productivity even better. Other integration we're going to work on, as I mentioned, is Slack and other productivity tools like Asana, Atlassian. We're going to do some more integration with those tools as well so that Otter, we see, will be an intrinsic part of people's workflow. And this is going to be the future of work. That's brilliant. Now, lastly, one thing that I know that you provide within the Otter Notes is a metadata tagging system at the top. So like a summary of the information, is this going to happen with Live Notes? Can I take this meeting that we're doing here on Zoom can I, at the end of this meeting, have a summary in effect by it, by also looking at the keywords within the live notes and then highlighting those at the top? Oh, absolutely. The summary keywords will be generated pretty fast once the meeting is finished. Uh, it, it will show up for your live notes as well. Brilliant. Sam Liang, thank you so much for your time. Everybody should be using Otter, certainly if they're a Zoom user and looks like if you're going to be any other type of user of any conferencing software as well in the future. Sam, take care. Speak to you soon. Thank you. Um, Great speaking with you. Sam Liang from Otter AI with some really helpful things, particularly if you use Zoom, which is good. Sam, Sethi, what's coming up in Podland for you later this month? I'm going to be interviewing Bushan Sethi, no relation to me at all. He reached out to me over LinkedIn. He's creating the world's linking of the Sethi clan, by all accounts. And I happen to be one of them. But he's the global leader of people and organization at PwC in New York. And we're going to be talking about the future of work and how you get there. Ah, which is good. Uh, and I will be sitting and uh, writing. I've got an awful lot of writing papers for individual companies, none of whom I can talk about. 
<laughs> but I've been learning always an awful helpful lot. on a podcast. Yeah, it's always helpful on a podcast. But I've been learning an awful lot about how the New Zealand media industry works. Ask me anything about that, except don't, obviously, because I'm doing that for a client. So that's all good. And uh, I think that's it for this week. If you've enjoyed your trip to Podland, don't make it your last. You can subscribe on all the major podcast players, or you can visit our website at podland.news. And you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, but much more helpful is if you tell your friends about us and share us on the socials. Now, if you want daily news, you should get Pod News. It's free at podnews.net. It's very good too. Or you can ask your smart speaker to play the news from Pod News Podcasting News, uh, and it'll either do that for you or it'll give you some sort of spurious error message. Uh, Pod News is also where you'll find the links for all the things that we've mentioned this week. Music is from Ignite Jingles. Sam used Zoom plus Otter Live Notes to interview Sam Liang. Podland was edited by Sam Sethi and Descript, and we're hosted and sponsored by Buzzsprout. And we'll see you in Podland next week. Keep listening. <laughs>